So what does Jesus say about submission? Um, this was actually kind of frustrating because we Googled verses about submission, and there was none in any of the Gospels. Apparently, Jesus doesn't say much about submission at all. What he talks about a lot is obedience, which Grant talked about last week. And I actually think the two are really, really linked. I think obedience and submission are two sides of the same coin. Um, but I think the difference comes when you examine your attitude or your own will. Obedience is about following orders or completing a job or a list of jobs to do, whereas um, submission is more about giving up your will in favor of someone else's. So I think that includes possibly completing a list of tasks or getting a job done, but I think more importantly, it's about seeking out the other person's will. And I think that makes it a lot more complicated than just following a list of rules. In some ways, I think discipleship would be a lot easier if we could just follow a list of rules. <laughs> Uh, but maybe the people in the Old Testament wouldn't agree with me on that. Um, so if Jesus doesn't talk at all about submission specifically, how do we know that he wants us to be submissive? And the answer that we found to that was in his life. Jesus showed us how to live, and he lived his life in submission to God's will. So I'm going to read from Matthew 4, 1 through 11. It's a story about Jesus being tested in the wilderness by Satan. And um, I think we both kind of agree that this shows us a lot about Jesus and how he was submissive to God's will um, rather than just being obedient and getting tasks done. So um, Matthew 4, 1 through 11. Then Jesus was led by the Spirit into the wilderness to be tempted by the devil. After fasting 40 days and 40 nights, he was hungry. The tempter came to him and said, If you are the Son of God, tell these stones to become bread. Jesus answered, It is written, Man shall not live on bread alone, but on every word that comes from the mouth of God. Then the devil took him to the holy city and had him stand on the highest point of the temple. If you are the son of God, he said, throw yourself down. For it is written, he will command his angels concerning you, and they will lift you up in their hands so that you will not strike your foot against a stone. Jesus answered him, it is also written, do not put the Lord your God to the test. Again, the devil took him to a very high mountain and showed him all the kingdoms of the world and their splendor. All this I will give you, he said, if you will bow down and worship me. Jesus said to him, Away from me, Satan, for it is written, Worship the Lord your God and serve him only. Then the devil left him and the angels came and attended him. So um, these, the three things that Satan kind of tried to get Jesus to do, none of those were necessarily bad. Um, performing a miracle and um, feeding, what was it, turning rocks into food. Wait, what? Yeah. 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 Right. Okay. Um, that's not necessarily bad. Like Jesus, even later multiplied food and used a miracle to feed people. God sent him here to feed people. That's not a bad thing. Um, jumping off the cliff and showing God's power. That's not a bad thing. God called Jesus to perform miracles. God called Jesus to show his power. And then eventually leading the entire, like all of the kingdoms to belong to Jesus. That's what God sent him to do, right? It was to get people to worship God. So all of these three parts weren't necessarily bad. They were even actually kind of what God sent Jesus to do, but it wasn't the way God wanted Jesus to do it. So if Jesus had just been obedient, he could have done these things, but he was submissive to God's will. And this is one of my favorite stories ever because it shows us so much about um, that submission to God isn't necessarily a power play. It's not about just doing what he says and fulfilling what he says. It's about really choosing to trust him. God didn't send Jesus to just make all of us worship him. God sent Jesus to give us a chance to choose to worship God and to choose to trust and follow God. And 
this story kind of proves that Jesus wasn't just here to be obedient to God and to fulfill a, a list of tasks. He was here to submit to God and to show us how to submit to God and to show us how to choose God. And um, this plays out in our personal relationship with Christ and our personal, our personal submission to God. And it's not a power struggle and it's not about him using his power to control us. It's about, us, it's about us choosing to submit to him, choosing to bless others, and choosing to trust that his will is good, even when we don't understand. Another example that we saw of this, um, and to me the first thing that came to my mind, was Jesus when he's praying in the garden. So that's in Matthew 28, and I'm going to go ahead and read that. And he took with him Peter and the two sons of Zebedee, and began to be grieved and distressed. Then he said to them, My soul is deeply grieved to the point of death. Remain here and keep watch with me. And he went a little beyond them and fell on his face and prayed, saying, My father, if it is possible, let this cup pass from me. Yet not as I will, but as you will. Then he goes back and talks to the disciples, and he comes back and again a second time prays, saying, My father, if this cannot pass away unless I drink it, your will be done. I love this scripture. I think it is so meaningful for so many reasons. I think it really shows... Jesus and his humanity, and I think it really shows that he is incredibly submissive, Mm -hmm. that he didn't want to do it. He didn't want to go to that painful death on the cross, but he sought God's will in that moment of not desiring to do it, and when God's will was made clear, Jesus chose God's will over his own desire to not do something. I think that's submission in its fullest form. And I also think it's really, really empowering because there are so many times I don't feel like doing something. And then I feel really guilty about not wanting to do God's will or not wanting to go talk to that person that probably needs someone to talk to or not wanting to read for a small group or whatever. I feel really guilty about that. But I don't think submission is about feeling like doing doing something. It's about choosing to seek out and follow the will of someone else regardless of whether or not you feel like it. And I think that it's important also to note here that sometimes you will feel like it. God's will for us isn't always going to be hard and bad. Sometimes it's really good and sweet Mm -hmm. and special. And sometimes God's will for us is just to be with him, and that is good. And sometimes his will is just to come to him and ask questions and Mm -hmm. and ask for providence, and he provides, and that's good. But I think it's important to remember that even when you don't feel like it, we're still Mm -hmm. submitting to God's will, and that's good. Yeah, sometimes I'm like, wait, I want to do this, so that must not be what God wants, because I want to do it, and I don't think that's always true. And for the record, when Melissa and I were trying to think of examples of Jesus being submissive, I was listing all these things, and she was like, or, you know, when he died on the cross. And I was like, oh, yeah. So, <laughs> confession didn't even cross my mind. I think that just goes to show I'm a lot older than Chelsea is. And I was like, what about on Hezekiah? And she's like, um, okay, if he died on the cross, that's like ultimate submission. <laughs> Okay, go for it. So, (laughs) continue. That transitions us into what does Paul say? Because um, I think sometimes, and what the sermon series is about, is people oftentimes think that Jesus is one thing and Paul is something else. And, like, either they'll really be Paul centric and focus a lot on the letters, or they really focus on Jesus and the Gospels and not where they come together. But while Jesus exemplified a lot of things, I think Paul says a lot about submission. And I don't think what he says is a different message from what we get from Jesus' actions. Paul teaches us how to submit. 
I'm not quite finished yet. Paul teaches us how to submit, and he is teaching us how to live in the spirit of Christ, and he's showing us how to do it, not just a list of rules that Jesus left for us. Um, He wrote a lot of different letters to different churches with different instructions, but I think we can see through all of them that it came down to the same truth, that out of submission and love for Christ, we need to submit to and love one another. Mm -hmm. In Ephesians 5.21, Paul calls us to that. He calls us to submit to one another out of reverence for Christ. And when we were planning and talking through this, that kind of got confusing to me because I think it's all well and good to submit to God. We can say that that's important and something we need to do. But Paul in this calls us to submit to one another out of reverence for Christ. And that's confusing and hard because people aren't great. And sometimes people don't have your best will in mind. And people aren't all-knowing and God. (laughs) You know, they're just people. And so it's hard to submit to that. And I think it's also kind of complicated because we're also supposed to submit to God. So when I was sort of parsing this out, I think what I first thought of is submission to one another means not pursuing your will over their person, the other person. So... Chelsea mentioned that when Ronnie talks about marriage, a lot of times he'll say, how can I be the biggest loser in this situation? Like, how can I help them win over me in every situation? And I think that's a good example of submitting to one another and not pursuing your will instead of theirs. So discussions aren't about being right, necessarily. Mm -hmm. And I don't think that just goes in marriage, obviously, because I'm not married, so I don't really know. I think in all your friendships, you should have that attitude of, how can I serve the other person? How can I build them up? How can I help them win, not me? And so I think we do submit to others, but I don't think that ever goes over and above God's will, which is that we love one another. So that is complicated because, first of all, really and truly loving someone, like Scripture tells us to, is not easy. I don't know if you've ever read 1 Corinthians 13 and thought about how it applies to your life, but it is challenging. And if you don't think it's challenging, then I don't think you're reading it right. Um, But that means sometimes saying hard things, saying truth instead of making them like you. But I I think sometimes that's not doing what they want you to do. And I think that is where submitting to God's will first Mm -hmm. comes into play, is that we're not always going to do exactly what someone else wants us to do. But that doesn't mean we're not being submissive to them. So I feel like that's kind of confusing. So we submit to God's will first, and then to people. Um, And I think that that also is going to look really different for submitting to different people in different situations. But the bottom line is, in relationships with other people, it's not about you being right or you getting your way and your will, but it's about what's best for them. Submission isn't a power struggle. But on the other side of that, I think people use submission as a cop-out. Submission is an excuse not to challenge people. It's not a way to get people to like us by saying, like, oh, we're just so chill, we just go with whatever, we just submit to other people. That's not always what's best. We're not called to submit to make life easier, and we shouldn't use it as a way of getting out of conflict. Submission to one another flows out of submission to Christ, and Christ was not avoiding conflict. Mm -hmm. Submission to one another means means loving them by speaking truth. I just really want to underline, and I think Chelsea's going to talk about this more later, but submission to God and to one another is really different in different situations. We saw that with Jesus in his earlier scriptures, right? So in one situation, he was being submissive to God and not to Satan. He was using God's words to not follow the will of Satan, right? To not give in to his oppressor. But then later in the garden, 
he is submissive to his oppressors. He follows God's will by mm -hmm. giving in to the person who's trying to oppress him, by giving in to the people who want to kill him on the cross. Mm -hmm. And so submission is complicated, and it's active, and it's about seeking God's will. And I think Paul explains that and demonstrates that, that in his letters. So um, she just ended kind of with the thought that submission is an active process, and it's not like a one-and-done type of thing. And so Romans 12, one through two says, therefore I urge you brothers and sisters in view of God's mercy to offer your bodies as a living sacrifice, holy and pleasing to God. This is your true and proper worship. Do not conform to the pattern of this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Then you will be able to test and approve what God's will is his good, pleasing and perfect will. So it takes submission and trust to know what God's will is. Sometimes it's not obvious and you have to trust that you're hearing him correctly. And this takes a lot of practice and it's an active thing. So in my job, I'm a social worker. And so I spend a lot of time sitting with these students and they are telling me these like horrible, awful things. And I know that eventually they're going to stop talking and eventually I'm going to have to say something or do something. And so I'm like halfway like listening and, you know, doing all my like, I'm like, mm -hmm, mm -hmm. like not showing the like horror on my face of what they're saying. I'm like, oh, no. And, um, but on the, like the other half of my mind is like, God, 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 like tell me what to say. Tell me what to say. I'm eventually going to open my mouth and I just really hope that it's your words because I do not know how to respond. And then I just have to trust in that moment that I'm open and I'm going to hear what he needs me to hear and I'm going to say what he needs me to say. And that's an active process. That is a in the moment really trusting that God is going to speak to you and that you're going to be a part of his will and that you're going to follow him. Um, and when we study scripture, when we study Jesus and we work to know, really know who Jesus was and what did he care about and what made him angry and what did he teach people, it does become a little easier. When you look at a situation, it becomes a little easier with practice to know, okay, this course of action, I think that's most like Christ and that's what I'm going to do. Um, and sometimes it's as simple as just giving scripture to someone. That doesn't really take, you're just kind of quoting what God said, essentially. And so that's a little bit easier than anything. But um, it's a transformation and it doesn't happen quickly. But the first step is to really ask the Holy Spirit to transform you, help you to transform your mind, renew your mind, and really begin asking God for opportunities to see his will and to choose his will in big and small situations. Okay, right. So now we're going to move into kind of the practical living aspect. How does this apply to us and where we are, we really tried to, tried to keep you guys in mind um, when we chose our examples for practical living. So the first one is submitting to God's will in your stage of life. Um, so you college students, okay, you guys are like within years of transitioning into the workplace and this is going to be really real for you because you may not end up exactly where you want. You may not end up in the job that you've been envisioning these four years of college. You may not end up in the ministry situation that you have been in as a focused student, but that doesn't mean that God's will isn't being fulfilled. Um, you may not be happy where you are, and it may not fit in to your idea of what ministry should look like, but God's will extends beyond ministry. It extends beyond the obvious ministry work that you do and everything that you do in submission to Christ is holy and good. Yeah. 
mundane, big, small, hard, easy, if you're doing it in submission to God's will, it is always good. Um, so sort of how this has played out personally in my life is like I graduated, you know, I was in Focus all four years. I was, um, anybody that's a visitor here, Focus is our campus ministry um, and it's on multiple campuses across the Metroplex. So a lot of the college students here are involved in that. Okay, so I graduated from Focus and I had this super clear idea of what ministry looked like. It's when you do one-on-one studies with people. It's when you're on a leader team and you're doing leader meetings and you're meeting with some kind of mentor, like a peer team leader, and you are in a small group, right? And basically you create your schedule every week based on what ministry tasks am I completing this week, right? And those aren't bad things. And, and that, none of those are bad. Those are all awesome, right? You guys do those things and you love them. Um, but when I got into my job and I was working 40 hours a week, I didn't have that time. I was, I was lucky to get one-on-one time, like maybe once every other week with someone. Like that was the most consistent thing I could offer people. And I wasn't really on a leader team because our adult ministry was like non-existent at that point. And I didn't know what that looked like. And I felt so frustrated because I was like, I'm wasting these 40 hours a week at work and then I'm missing out on a chance to really do ministry. I felt like I was missing out on ministry. And it got to the point where I like, I literally feel like I came crawling back to focus. And I talked to Vinny Lanciani and I was like, can I do the internship? And she was like, no. <laughs> and I remember I was like, um, what? I gave four years to this ministry. Like I was so mad, right? But that was totally God's will because God was like, I am teaching you something. I am teaching you that your work is my work. The 40 hours a week that you're at your job is my work and it's my ministry. And I am slapping God in the face when I say I'm wasting these 40 hours a week and I'm missing out on what you're doing. Who am I to tell God what he's doing and where he's doing it? I am not that important. I'm really not important at all. In my own mind, I am, but that's pretty much the only place. So, and I, I really feel like God was like, see your 40 hours a week. That is your life. That is still, it's not a coincidence that God had me there. And I have an incredibly relational job, right? I'm a social worker. I get to hang out with students who have had horrible, horrible experiences, and I get to love them and bless them. But I also spend about 10 or 15 hours a week sitting on a computer, entering services and things. Maybe that means nothing to you. And that is still good and holy. If you sit at a computer all day, your job is still God's work. We have to expand our idea of what is God's will for me. It's not just what you're doing in ministry. It's everything you do. God's will applies to every part of your life. And you have to be purposeful in how you see that. And just get ready to graduate college and land somewhere that may be really hard for you. And you may not feel happy. And you may not feel like you're doing anything for God. But God's work doesn't just apply to what we think it applies to. Does that make sense? Um, So yeah, I had to learn to submit to God. I had to learn to submit to what he decided was my place in life and submit to what he decided was the way I was going to serve him and understand that my role in ushering in the kingdom doesn't look like I thought it was going to look. And I cannot express to you guys, I know I'm kind of going on a rant, but I can't express to you how much that has blessed me, really letting God show me that. I love my job now. Like, I love it, and I see it as my ministry, even above what I do here at Denton North. And I love this church. Obviously, you guys are like such a priority for me. But when I think about 
what role do I have in the kingdom? It is at my job with those kids. And that's so great. That gives me such a renewed excitement to wake up and go to work. Yeah. <laughs> so, so I'm going to drink out of this giant bottle of water. Don't laugh at me. Yeah, it's huge. It's so huge. <laughs> <laughs> so when I came to Denton, I had just finished being in Focus, the internship, and then on staff for two years. And then I also had been in college for three years, or well, working with Focus for three years in college. And so when I came here, I didn't know how hard it was going to be transition, but hearing those things from Chelsea really helped me a lot. But it was still hard. <laughs> so I think you should really take that and listen and really think about how that applies to you in your life. Um, unlike Chelsea, I don't think I've figured out exactly what my role of <laughs> being submitted is submissive to God is. Unlike <laughs> she's me, she's got it all figured it out. <laughs> um, she's got a couple years on me because I stayed in focus for a while. <laughs> but being in grad school, I know for sure is where God wants me to be. There's no doubt in my mind. Just the events that led up to it and the way I got in, I'm positive that I'm supposed to be in grad school. And I know that, and I'm submitting to God and being there even when it's hard, and I'm really excited about that. But in some ways, I've still failed to be submissive because it's so hard to break my idea of what ministry looks like. So this semester, I've really overcommitted myself because a lot of people came to me with a lot of opportunities to do a lot of things that were good. And instead of submitting my will to God and seeking out what he wanted me to focus and prioritize my time on, I was like, all this is good, and God would be happy for me to do all of these things, right? So I'm just going to do all of them, which is not, I don't think was, I wasn't seeking out God's will when I made those decisions. Mm -hmm. I think I just did what I wanted to do, which was be a part of all of those good things. And it's hard because none of them are bad. I'm not doing any bad things. I'm just really busy, and that takes away from other good things that I think God would have prioritized for me. So, for example, focusing on work and school and not having to cancel on people every time, that gets overwhelming, because I don't think that's being honoring to those relationships and those commitments I've made. Or when I think about maybe God would have wanted me to have less on my plate so I could have spent more time with my roommates mm -hmm. and ministering to them and building those relationships. I just think it's possible that God would have had other good things for me, but because I had my idea of what ministry looked like, that's what I wanted to do. The things I knew were good is what I wanted to do. And I've really been repentant of that, and I think in the future I'm going to spend a lot more time thinking about how God wants me to prioritize my time. So I think that's dishonoring to my commitment to be in grad school in a lot of ways. It's dishonoring to the commitment I've made to be to submit my will to the, Lord, the Lord's. But another example that I think is a little bit more applicable for those of you who are still in college is um, Ann Haven Hughes, who happens to be here today. Woohoo! Um, she used to go to TWU, and she was an active part of this church before she got a job in uh, Richardson. And I lived with her for that last year of her being here, and she worked at Chicken Express. And she had made a commitment to work there for like a year, I think. Um, and it was awful. I mean, everything that you could possibly imagine that you would hate about a job, Anne Haven had it. Like, everything that could have pushed her buttons, it happened. Mean managers, lazy co-workers, just everything. And she was so frustrated. And there were so many times she was like, I'm going to quit. I'm going to go in there, and I'm going to quit. And <laughs> Cassandra's nodding because she, we all saw it. And then she would get a text message from Leslie with a verse perfectly describing her situation and how we should submit to God's will and she'd be like dang it I'm not gonna quit or <laughs> she would be like okay I'm gonna go in there and I'm gonna quit and then somebody would text her from Chicken Express and say I'm gonna go to church with you this weekend and she'd be like oh 
I'm not going to quit. And so it happened all the time where she was so frustrated with her job. She didn't want to stay there, but she was submissive to God's will. And that didn't mean she was going to have to stay in this awful job at Chicken Express forever. She got another really good job, and her transition out of Chicken Express was really peaceful and honoring to God. And she had made, had fulfilled her commitment there, and she had made a difference. She did ministry at Chicken Express. Like, that's crazy, but cool. <laughs> and I think it would have been really easier for her to say, like, focus is really good, and my job as a Corfa is really good, and I want to give all my time to that, and Chicken Express isn't allowing me to do that, and so I'm going to quit. But she didn't just give that cookie-cutter answer to fulfill her own will. She really sought out God's will and submitted to that, and that meant splitting her time. And so I just think it's really, really important for us to actually seek out God's will and be submissive to the time we are in our life and see what he wants for us right now. Um, So the next thing we're going to talk about, so that was being submissive to God in the place we are in our life. The next thing we're going to talk about is submission to authority. Um, So our number one authority is Jesus. At the end of every day, in every situation, he is our number one priority. And right now our culture is super concerned with politics because we just had a very intense election season and we've elected a president, which I think either way we would have done this, but we elected a president who is very controversial to say the least. Um, A lot of us are concerned about what it means to submit to the president and I think we should be because there are verses like 1 Peter 2.13 that say, submit yourself for the Lord's sake to every human authority whether to the emperor as the supreme authority or to the governors who are sent by him to punish those who do wrong and commend those who do right. If you're not concerned about what it means to submit yourself to the president, our authority in America, then maybe you should examine why you're not. We should all be thinking through this, whether you voted for him or not. Um, And when we talk about submitting to the president's authority, like none of us think that you're like planning to assassinate him or like... (laughs) joining an anarchist group that's going to bring down our modern government. Like, that's not, obviously, none of us are going to be doing that. Um, Hopefully. Hopefully. (laughs) (laughs) Um, But some... (laughs) Okay. Um, But some of us really do harbor... um, Okay. (laughs) I'll wait. I'm just kidding. Okay, so some of us really do harbor potentially hateful attitudes about our president-elect and the people that voted for him. Um, And some people who voted for our president-elect harbor really hateful attitudes for people that did not vote for him. Um, Some of us have boldly spoken out about those candidates in very harsh and hateful ways, and that's where our submission is breaking down. It's a submission of our attitude and of our hearts that I don't think go... A lot of people are following very well. Um, so 1 Corinthians 10, 23, let me pull it up, says, I have the right to do anything, you say, but not everything is beneficial. I have the right to do anything, but not everything is constructive. Um, it is not illegal for you to hate our president. It's totally allowed. You can hate him all day. It's not illegal for you to have a hateful attitude towards groups in our society. You can do that all day. You can be racist, and it's not against the law. Was totally permissible. You can't do racist things, but you can think racist thoughts and no one's going to arrest you, right? But those things are not beneficial or constructive. That doesn't line up with Christ's yeah. will, yeah. right? Yeah. It may be permissible for you to speak a certain way about someone who's in authority. That does not mean Christ has permitted you to do that. Yeah. Um, no matter what is allowed, 
you're still in submission to God's will. You are still under Christ's authority, first and foremost, no matter what the society you live in may allow you to do or say. Um, And when you speak in degrading and hateful ways about other groups, particularly those who you feel are ignorant or wrong, you're honoring nobody but yourself. You're not submitting to anyone but your own pride in that moment because it helps you feel like you're right and you're maybe better. You've got something figured out. That's not honoring God. That's not submission to God's will. Um, No matter what you think or say about politics, that doesn't mean you actually care about people. You may have voted for a certain candidate and checked a certain box on a ballot, and that doesn't mean you care at all about vulnerable populations. That doesn't mean you care at all about helping the poor. That doesn't say much about you, what you do in the day-to-day, and how you submit to the way Christ has called you to love one another. That's what speaks about who you are, and that's what shows your submission to God. We We have placed so much stock in who you voted for and who I voted for, and we've forgotten what are you doing for people in your actual life? How are you loving and submitting to people in the hard and mundane situations? Um, That's where your submission to God really plays out and your submission to his authority really plays out. And I want to say that I really think that Jesus was concerned about politics too. Um, In fact, he came to fulfill a role that was typically filled by a king, right? Mm -hmm. Jesus is the Messiah. He's the king returned. But he mostly cared about them in the ways that it impacted people. And I think that's how we should care about things too and how they impact people, including politics. But where that starts first and foremost is loving the people and caring about the people who are around you now. If you don't have love, you have nothing, according to Paul in 1 Corinthians 13. So ultimately, no matter who is president, Jesus is still Lord and we're still called to submit to him. So yeah, um, just to kind of recap overall in our, in our thoughts of, about submission and what we've kind of been thinking about submission, it's really not a checklist and it's not a list of rules. Um, it's a life of seeking God's will and choosing to do your absolute best to follow that and to trust that it's good and to trust that it's going to work out even if you can't see it. It's submission to where God has you in life and it's submission to how he's working rather than trying to fit him into your idea of how he should be working. Um, And it's submission to authority. It's submission to the people in your life when you don't really want to or like it. Um, It's one thing to obey, but submission requires choosing to obey and the difficult things and seeking God's will when you feel uncertain or when it's difficult. And that's all we have. Thanks for joining us for our sermon podcast. We would love for you to join us on Sunday morning or in one of our small groups during the week. And you can get more information about that at DentonNorthChurch.com.